It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. We will be having Survival Sunday in the Premier League this season. Watford's 4-0 loss to Manchester City last night damages their goal difference and sucks them right back into trouble. Meanwhile, Aston Villa gave themselves a huge lifeline in the fight to stay up with a 1-0 win over Arsenal, meaning it all boils down to the final day of the season. Who will fall through the trapdoor to the Championship? Watford, Villa or Bournemouth? It's anyone's guess. Welcome along to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast, seven days a week. This is the place to come for top flight news and opinion in podcast form. On the show, we'll look back at last night's action, as well as looking forward to this evening's games. Manchester United can break into the top four for the first time since September if they can beat nearly safe West Ham. And Liverpool will raise the Premier League trophy this evening at an empty Anfield. But visitors Chelsea will be hoping to spoil the party with serious top four hopes of their own. I'm Niall McCorn, and joining me on Football Social Daily today, we have Joe McGrath. Hello. Hello, Joe. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How's the dog? How is Buck? Buck, the dog, the Bosnian dog, uh, Jekko, as we call him on this podcast, is doing very well. He's uh, getting about uh, loving life. Um, what Put him in front of a United game on the weekend, the Chelsea one. Uh, it didn't go very well for us. Uh, obviously, we got beat, so I don't think I'll be doing that uh, again. I'll just let everyone around next time. He's more like a Luis Suarez dog at the moment because he keeps going around biting people. Yeah, he's, he needs to get that out of him. He needs to put on a couple <laughs> match band, don't I? Uh, and then I'll wear shirts with his uh, his face in the front whilst I train for a run. Um, but uh, but uh, when he gets when he gets over the uh, the biting, uh, he'll be he'll be a perfect dog. We've also got someone who I like to think of as no nonsense on the podcast. It's no Stefan nonsense. Armstrong. Hello, Stefan. Oh wow, what an intro! Hi, Niall. Um, I've, I've got to say, this dog sounds fascinating, but. I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed to be on this podcast with Joe. Joe, I love you, man. How's it going? <laughs> Very well. I've never been on a podcast with Steph. You've never done never one together. Been wow. No nonsense, Steph. I'm sure oh, we will. We'll get on. We'll scary. get on very well. We'll get on very well. No nonsense, Stefan and Bosnian dog Joe. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's how we're going to refer to everyone on today's Football Social Daily. Let's get started then. And we're going to start by looking ahead to tonight's fixtures. 
And let's begin at Old Trafford where Manchester United play West Ham United. The Hammers travel to Manchester. They know they're not mathematically safe, but they do know that they're now pretty much staying up, Stefan. That game against Watford last time out was a huge, huge win for them. And with the way that results have gone, West Ham now look like they're going to cling on to Premier League safety. Yeah, West Ham are safe. I hate to say it because I've slated them so often on this podcast. And do you know what? I still wish they would have gone down, but they're going to stay up, let's face it. And United... Well, it's a good time for United to play West Ham now that they've not really got anything riding on it. So, come on, United, man. I mean, the thing is with West Ham, Stefan, is they've just been so underwhelming, I think, because if you look at the players that they've got, we all said that they really should be punching higher than they are punching at this moment in time. So, is that the main disappointment or is it just a problem within West Ham, which has been there for a few years, do you think? West Ham are like your, your mate at school who... He's always kind of like going into exams. He's not really revised before the exam. He's had a few late nights. You know, he's maybe started going into town and uh, <laughs> he just scrapes a D or he scrapes an E and he somehow gets like a placement at like some kind of like, you know, dodgy <laughs> Met Uni somewhere where nobody's heard of. That's who West Ham are and they've done it again. They're the specialists. <laughs> I agree with you on that. They, they somehow still keep hanging on to the Premier League. And it probably will be by goal difference. I mean, because I, I don't see... I, I hopefully see United winning tonight and then West Ham will fall in the last game of the season as well. I think they'll get beat. So they could be just scraping through on goal difference alone because um, that is that they are superior to the other teams below them. F- fair play. I mean... Uh, they've got a massive stadium. They need to hold on to that because God knows what would happen if they go to the championship with the London Stadium in the background. I mean, what, what a crazy situation that would be. But fair play to them. Um, and, you know, David Moyes, he, he's done. has he done a good job? Has he done a good job? He's done a job. I'd say that Watford shot themselves in the foot in that last game when they lost so heavily to West Ham. They made a load of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Watford lost heavily last night as well, which we'll come on to later on in the podcast. But as for Manchester United, Joe, the team that you support... This is a chance tonight to get into the top four for the first time since September. Now, back in September, you probably wouldn't have thought that top four really would have been achievable or at least a couple of months after that when the wheels started to come off. Mm -hmm. But now United have put a good run of form together and the top four is within reach. Oh, it really is. And hopefully uh, we can secure that with two of the final games. Uh, beating West Ham tonight would put us in a much more, uh, a better place um, going into the Leicester game. We're uh, uh, currently goal difference uh, between us and Leicester because it might come down to this. Uh, we are bob on uh, with them. We are, we've got 28 uh, goal difference they've got 28 goal difference so a couple of goals tonight would also really be key especially when you've got Leicester on Sunday yeah so that's the Leicester game so if they come at us you know we could even accept the 1-0 defeat and we don't want to get into that mind frame but a couple of big goals tonight so I want I want the starting 11 that we've known and loved over this uh, lockdown period era uh, where we've got our attacking three of Marshall uh, Rashford and Greenwood and we've got our solid midfield of Pogba Matic, please, and uh, Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez. Them six have been such uh, key in the in the goals that we've been scoring. Key in the fact that we've been really dangerous going forward. And West Ham, hopefully tonight, will be a bit. You know, maybe they'll drop the ball a bit, and we will hopefully just push forward and attack, attack, attack. I just want lots of goals from us tonight, and I don't mind sure. if they go up the other end and score because our defence is shocking. 
what what would you do if you saw the team selection from uh, Oli tonight and it's exactly the same as Sunday? He's just resting his players for the oh, final game against I'd Leicester. Be absolutely spooked. <laughs> if I saw that team and there was the eleven from Saturday, I mean Sunday. I really think he he, he dropped a ball on Sunday. He I, got a lot of criticism, Joe, didn't he, yeah, for he changing did. the team? I mean, it's an FA Cup semi final against Chelsea, so it's not yeah. not exactly an easy game. So he clearly prioritizes the Premier League over the FA Cup because he know he knew that a big game was coming on Wednesday and there were certain plays he wanted to rest. And I do think Champions League football will mean more to the board than FA Cup foot, uh, an FA Cup win. There's money at stake. You know, you do get a cash prize they win in the FA Cup. What is it? It's pence, and it yeah. really... Compared to it, the Champions yeah. League. So the Champions League is his massive priority. I still think there was ways he could have put out a rested team on Sunday that didn't look as bizarre as that 3-5-2. Uh, 5-3-2, sorry. It looks crazy. It looks so misshaped. It looked like players who didn't want to be there. It looked like players giving them their first shot in quite a while, like Daniel James, Eric Bailly, who why give him such a massive opportunity in such a big game? I, I just didn't get it. And a lot of pressure was on these players to perform and they just didn't. So I think even in the long term, that might damage these players in the long run. Daniel James's confidence now is absolutely shot. He's mm. got given an opportunity mm. and he just didn't take it. But because there was so much pressure on him to take it. So now... Let's forget about that because it's done and we got absolutely battered. <laughs> Let's forget about that. Let's just focus on Champions League and putting out that solid team we know and love. I is quite it, like what what Solskjaer did um, in terms of in terms of resting all these players for the FA Cup because that was his statement of intent saying we are not Arsenal. We don't just want to win the FA Cup. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was mint. So it backfired on him, Paul. Lamb. Yeah, it did. It did. Fair play to him. I don't know, Stefan. There's always the argument that you don't fix what ain't broke sort of thing you know if it's not broke don't fix it the old saying goes and you know United are in such a good run of form using that same crop of players so mm. was that not just a little bit silly how, how tired are these players by the way because there's only massive, two games massive left long holiday they've, they've had a wonderful break that they weren't expecting I mean that's class isn't it so why, how come <laughs> why, why is he resting players I, I didn't get that because they can't be that tired, surely. We have played a lot yeah, of games. Left. Talking a no-nonsense, Stefan, you're the only man that would describe a three-month break due to a pandemic as class. <laughs> yeah, um, there we yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah, they didn't we'll ask on. for it. We'll I, know we're not, I know no one asked for it. but well, um, It's they're... not been terrible, has it? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, but the, I think they were under a lot of scrutiny as well to continue unbelievable training in their own homes. You know, uh... you talk about what they've been given during lockdown. You know, any player that was interviewed during the lockdown period, it was all about being having this personal training session in your back garden that they had to do there was probably a lot of running there was a lot of intense oh, training yeah. like that so the they never had a like yeah. we had a we had a good lockdown didn't we because we just drank a lot and just watched TV they had to really graft as well during the lockdown well I wonder if Mikhail Antonio did any grafting during the lockdown Stefan because he's been in good form for West Ham and he's one of those players where he is good but he's never fit and I think that's a, that's always an issue with teams that are struggling is if your best players aren't fit all the time then you are going to find it really difficult yeah, the guy's come back super strong and he's, he's kind of showing a little bit of the talent that he showed when he got his first England call up a few years ago now. Um, and Antonio's a bit of a forgotten figure at West Ham for ages and he's come back and he's looking like a seriously good player um, and one that David Moyes is very heavily relied on, especially the last four or five games. So he's he's been a, a stroke of luck for him, to be fair, and probably the main catalyst of what's going to keep him up. Anyway, for tonight's game, Harry Maguire would want a better performance, Joe, because against Chelsea, he was yeah. really poor. He was really poor and it's uh, key for him to, to bounce back and he will. I, I've got to say that he was personally 
you know, just stuff didn't work for him. You can never say that Harry Kane doesn't give uh, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire doesn't give everything because he he does get into battles and he does put in a hundred percent. There's just sometimes that hundred percent just doesn't seem like it's good enough or it is his skills. I and think he's quite his, a languid looking player. That yeah. sometimes it looks like he's not really up to it or not putting the effort in when actually he probably is. But I think that's just the, the way he is. That his body language and stuff. Yeah, he always gets into the battles. He's always down on the floor getting his head checked because he's waxing one on with his slab. I just think there's there's certain things he can't do well. There's obviously the clip doing the rounds on Twitter where he gets the ball in the United's half and does like this weird run. Like what exactly what would happen if I got the ball during eleven aside? Like that's what, what one of my nightmares were. I wake up in the middle of the night with these stress anxiety dreams where I'm playing for Manchester United at Wembley. I get the ball and I did exactly what Harry Maguire did in that clip. If you've not seen it, he just weirdly runs around the defence and, and then just hoofs it. It's like, like when you're playing football with a load of kids and they're all chasing. And you and you're yeah. like, oh, what am I going to do? It's going to happen. Uh, so sure, you I've will seen need... you play eleven aside, and I can tell you that Harry Maguire's got nothing on you. Thank you, Stefan. I, I, I know that, but I'm not going to uh, brag too much on this podcast. <laughs> I think he needs a definitely a clean sheet. That'd be priority for him, David de Gea, and also just for United's goal difference as well. Yeah, hundred percent a clean sheet. Um, so let's see how he bounces back. Yeah, it could come down to goal difference. However, Harry Maguire won't be partnered by Eric Bailly in defence tonight. He's unable to feature after a clash of heads with Maguire at Wembley, which saw him stretched off in a neck brace and he was actually taken to hospital. Phil Jones and Axel Twanzebe won't step in either because they're both injured also. Have to wait and see what happens with Luke Short and Brandon Williams in the left-back position. Both of those players picked up knocks against Southampton in the last Premier League game. Uh, for West Ham, no Robert Snodgrass or Ryan Fredericks, but apart from that, a fully fit squad to choose from. So that game, Manchester United versus is West Ham at Old Trafford in the Premier League a 6pm kickoff but it's not the only game that takes place tonight in the top flight because Liverpool will lift the Premier League trophy for the first time in their history it's their first top flight league title for 30 years as they welcome Chelsea to Anfield now Stefan there's been a lot of fanfare around this whole trophy lift that's been going on has it no not one happened it, yet? No, it's not happened yet not unbelievably yet. this is their final home game of the season Obviously, there's no fans to celebrate. So what Liverpool have done is they've gone all out. They've pulled out all the stops. They've built a platform. They've developed a pyrotechnics display. They're going to have loads of fireworks and confetti and cannons going off. There won't be any fans in the ground, um, but they're really going to make a big deal of this. um, And they're going to milk it because it's been so long in the waiting for them. What's the point? That's like me going out to the shops this afternoon, buying a lot of cocktail party sausages, getting those biscuits with, you know, the, the little ones with the, yeah, with the sugar over the top, uh, a bit of cheese with pineapple, and then just forgetting to invite anybody and just sitting there and eating it all myself. It's totally pointless, isn't it? <laughs> I know it's so pointless. I know we can just have a big dig at them here. Um, and I'm sure uh, Steve Dude. McNaughton on the podcast will be fuming at what we're about to say. Sorry, Stefan, what are we going to uh, do? No, but, but, you, but you're right, Joe. It's a crying shame. And do you know what? I don't feel sorry for Liverpool whatsoever. I know, I know I probably should. This was their big moment, winning it for the first time in 30 years. Let's have a massive party, but... Do you know what, the, the way they kind of celebrated um, the night it happened and the night after it happened, basically quite quite disrespectfully, really, um, going down to the live building and causing a bit of a ruckus, I've just kind of lost all interest in Liverpool winning anything now. So, mm. yeah, let, let them have their little celebration tonight, but I don't think anybody else will be watching. And 
a lot of pressure to win tonight because you don't want to lift the Premier League trophy after getting humped by Chelsea. That is what <laughs> I said to Niall beforehand. I said, wouldn't it be wild if, you know, pitch this Liverpool lose in an empty Anfield and then go pick up the Premier League trophy whilst listening to Coldplay? That's what's happening. <laughs> That's their scenario that could happen tonight. So I'm hoping, you know, I know it's like Liverpool off, I'm hoping they could, you know, kick Chelsea down a peg or two. It's cringy if Liverpool win without, if Liverpool lift the title without winning, isn't it? I think so. It's I really cringy, cringy in a weird way. Uh, yeah, hopefully they can, they can, they can beat Chelsea because Chelsea could still, you know, find that fifth place. Yeah. Um, it's highly unlikely, but we, we'd overtake them tonight with a win, uh, United, and they'd just be fourth and knock Leicester mm. out. But they've got Wolves at the last game of the season. It's really going to come down to the wire, and we'll come on to Chelsea in a sec. But just before we do talk about the Blues. We don't normally get too political on this podcast, but I thought it was worth mentioning that this display that Liverpool are putting on, the platform that they've built, they've ripped out seats in the cop end of Anfield to build this platform. It's reportedly cost the club around a million pounds. A million pounds spent on a platform and fireworks for a trophy lift in a stadium where no one is going to be able to watch it. You're going to have to watch it on TV. Is that morally right, considering earlier on this year they tried furloughing staff when the pandemic began, Joe? They tried to make you know all of their staff go on furlough when they could quite comfortably afford to keep them all on full pay. So I thought that was a little bit, you yeah. know, it left a bit of a bad taste in the mouth when you see that. The money that gets spent in football is quite ridiculous, but we've kind of got used to the fact that that's what players get now. Players are on such incredible wages, but there is other ways that football can, can cut back on money and not seem so ludicrous like what you've just said there. If it does cost a million pounds tonight, it's absolutely bizarre that that's what's been spent on on a uh, a trophy presentation that is going to be just seen on, on TV. Get some CGI fireworks in. That's what they did in 20... That's what they did in Beijing 2012. Do you, do you know that? The Beijing Olympics... 2008 Sorry, 2008. They CGI'd in fireworks. Do that. Just throw in some CGI fireworks in. Don't spend all that... Didn't they have a massive dragon as well in the stadium? Yeah, oh, yeah, well, I mean, the big screen. They had all sorts of stuff. The Chinese, they love it, don't they? Do that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that there's certain things, you know, if it does cost a million pounds, there's this, you know, Liverpool class itself is a very working class background, very work, working class fans. Uh, and I don't, that's quite a kick in the balls to, to the people that do spend their hard-earned cash going to the games week in, week out. That that is kind of what they're spending the money on on fireworks that won't be seen by anyone, and also as well in terms of you know this this call by the uh, Liverpool police of uh, fans please stay at home, you know there's a million pound firework display happening in Anfield. Why wouldn't you go? Why wouldn't you go closer? Why wouldn't you go closer to the ground to see it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like in, in for Liverpool football club, it's kind of irresponsible for them to say, look, we're going to unbelievable firework display happening tonight. By the way, if you do want to come to the ground, it's like no, no, you can't because there's going to be a lot of disruption um so yeah i think it's a bit over the top well as stefan says they've already had their firework display where they lit up the liver building <laughs> about a month ago he's in charge the guys, that guy's in charge the firework display you oh, know oh, <laughs> goodness me anfield would be up in smoke before you know it if that guy was in charge anyway enough of that let's talk about chelsea because they need to keep the pressure up in that race for the top four as Joe's mentioned, they've got Wolves on the final day. Another huge game for them, Stefan. I mean, they've really got to put a marker down now. They've really got to put the pressure on the other teams fighting for the top four, like Manchester United. I mean, those final two games, they're going to be so tough for Chelsea. Yeah, um, but I think you'd fancy yourself if you were Chelsea. Like, now is the best time ever to play Liverpool. 
You're not. You're never going to play Liverpool, who are a going to be under pressure of having to win uh, before their trophy lift. Mm-hmm. But B, they've crashed and burned really in the last few games. So, what a time to play Liverpool. So I'm. I feel quite confident for Chelsea to go along and get a bit of a result. And you would never really anticipate you saying that at any other time. Chelsea going to Anfield to get a result, but I fancy it. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for them. So, you know, if if Chelsea get beat tonight, they are fourth unless they come uh, fifth. If they pick up a draw against Wolves and so do Leicester United end up in a draw, which is realistic, Chelsea's goal difference is, is nothing compared to what Leicester have. So it's quite superior. So Chelsea could, could see themselves in fifth on goal difference. Well, let me tell you this, and there's been a lot of debate over Kepa Arisa Balaga, the Chelsea goalkeeper. This is the most goals that Chelsea have conceded in a season since 93-94. Wow. That is that is bad. <laughs> that is very bad. Okay, and they're still knocking around in the top three. And I think this is the annoyance for Manchester United fans and fans of other teams fighting for the top four. Chelsea just have this knack of picking up results. They do. They, they just really seem to keep do. grinding out wins, even though they don't look that convincing. I know, and it's bad, isn't it? It's bad. I don't I, know how I they heard, do it. I heard that if Chelsea lose today, and then they lose against Wolves, then there should be a pact between Man United and Leicester just to have a nil-nil bar draw <laughs> and then they come third and fourth. Yeah, it's uh, one of those packs, isn't it? Yeah, but we won't know because we're all playing at the same time, aren't we? So That's you don't, it. You That's don't it. Really That's know. what they do it on the final day. All games kick off at the same time so uh, none of that underhandedness can take place. Nah, usually you have fans in the crowd who have like little wireless transistor radios on. Yeah, that's true. You've that. got five live on one bit going, oh, yeah, they've scored. They've scored. Oh, God, if you're listening to what people are shouting from the crowd, you fall to pieces in seconds. There's some pretty horrible stuff that gets thrown around there. Lampard, Stefan, who's had a good season, I think, a good first season as Chelsea manager. No one can take that away from him. An FA Cup final against Arsenal on August the 1st, in the running for the top four the entire season. There's only three games left of the campaign, right? And they could still end the season empty-handed. As Joe said, they could lose these next two games, Liverpool and Wolves, and finish fifth or even lower. And they could also lose the FA Cup final and they'd come away from the season with nothing. I mean, with three games to go... It's a rather precarious position to be in and one that's exciting but also nah. nervous for Chelsea fans. That's that's what it's all about, being a football man and being a being in a football and being a football manager. It's all about those final few games of the season which make or break any season. So he's there. So he's he's achieved, he's done well. I remember back in what, when when did we start this podcast this season? Was it August? Um July, I think. July, yeah. I mean to be honest, we were all kind of slating the decision for Frank Lampard to get the job. Uh, and what do I know about football? Nothing, apparently, because that was dead critical. But he's, he's proved a lot of people wrong. He's shaped, he's, he's got the beginnings of a, of a very good shape to his team. He's got some good signings coming in next season. He could finish third in all likelihood. I think he probably still will. And I fancy him against Arsenal in the FA Cup final. So what a first season for, for Frank Lampard at Chelsea. He's there, he's in the hunt, so good luck to him. In regards to team news, Liverpool, uh, they've been without James Milner for the last few weeks. He's got a hamstring strain, but he could be amongst the substitutes against Chelsea. Jordan Henderson won't feature on the pitch. 
He continues to nurse an injury, but as Liverpool's captain, he will be lifting the trophy after the game. Joel Matip, however, is out for the rest of the season with a foot injury. Uh, Billy Gilmore misses out for Chelsea. He's got a long-term knee issue and N'Golo Conte is expected to miss out too due to a hamstring strain. So it looks like Olivier Giroud could also continue leading the line up front after his recent hot form. So Liverpool will lift the trophy tonight at Anfield. They welcome Chelsea in an 8.15pm kickoff in the Premier League. This is Football Social Daily, the podcast from Sports Social, which features Premier League news and opinions seven days a week. Hit subscribe if you haven't done already and join the growing community of people that listen to this show every single day. We're off for a quick break and we'll be back after this. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily from Sports Social. I'm Niall. I've got Joe and Stefan alongside me on today's podcast. We've been discussing tonight's action, which sees Manchester United, Liverpool and Chelsea all in action and big games for clubs as well, moving towards the end of the season as Sunday approaches. And Sunday will be the final day of the season. It will be Survival Sunday. And we know that it will be Survival Sunday because of last night's results. And let's begin at Vicarage Road, where it was a hammer blow to the safety hopes of Watford Football Club as they lost 4-0 to Manchester City. Now, the last three games that Watford have played Man City, they've lost 6-0, 8-0 and 4-0. You don't need to be a mathematician to know that that is not a very positive aggregate score for the Hornets. For Watford, that sucks them so much deeper into trouble, Joe. Ben Foster spoke after the game, the goalkeeper, after making some really good saves, by the way, saying that the club have zero confidence. Now with that goal difference, losing by four last night, they are right back in the mix to be dragged down. When a few a few weeks ago, even a few games ago, it looked like they might just be all right. Yeah, and there's something really, really wild going on at Watford. And I don't know if it's me, but I'm just not asked if they go down. Some clubs I have sympathy <laughs> for. I'd like to see Villa stay up. I'm not too bothered about the fact that West Ham stay up. Happy that Brighton stayed up. Happy that Palace stayed up. Southampton... Oh, I can't say that in front of you. Uh, but in terms of in terms of Watford, what they've done with managers and just this free-flowing, let's get rid of him, let's sack that person, let's do this, let's do that. For me, it, it's just a, a club that really needs a, a long, hard look at themselves and to figure out what they want to do and what they want to become as a club and not just this conveyor belt of of performances from managers they don't think is good enough. Who knows what, what Pearson would have done in the final two games. It's not the greatest couple of matches to finish the season off with Arsenal being their last game of the season as well. You never know what you're going to get when you turn up against Arsenal. Um, let, let's just see what happens, but they, they need points, don't they? They need a win and I just don't see it. Don't see it happening against Arsenal I mean Watford really have have scuppered any sort of slim chance they've got and it's now fingernails skin of your teeth sort of stuff Stefan because that goal difference has been wiped out and they say that a a good goal difference can be equivalent to almost a point really in keeping you above the drop zone whereas now if Villa or Bournemouth manage to scrape a win between themselves against whoever they're playing on Sunday Watford are down yeah and I hope they do I think Watford have they're getting what they deserve to be honest and Oh, how can you how can you get rid of a manager who's who's done a everybody says has done a good job for you. Mm-hmm. you they were, you were really struggling when he took over he's led you a few points clear and then a few a few weeks before the end of the season you sack him and you put graham stack in charge <laughs> i remember watching That's... graham stack as he's a non-league goalkeeper wasn't he 
Honestly, yeah. the last I heard of Graham Stack was on Magic Sponge podcast. Yeah, I, I heard the same one. I heard the <laughs> same one. Hey, what about he, when he did he have a fight with someone on the pitch? Or am I just yeah, thinking? Of, oh yeah, have you not seen Graham Stack knocking out a fan? No, <laughs> no, I've seen that. Oh, the last time I saw Graham you. Stack, he was in golf for Barnet, where I've, we drew one one. I've got the YouTube video up here. Graham Stack, people run on the pitch. You know what? I think it's in Italy. Well, hang um, on. Let's let's do a little bit of a live reaction then. I'm going to come round here right. and watch this. Go and okay. Watch this. Graham Stack. People run on the pitch in Italy, right? I'm sure it's Italy, right? So look, chaos going on here. So who's Graham Stack playing for here? I don't really know, but he's the goalkeeper there. Look at him, right? And he's oh, oh. he's getting a bit. He's getting a bit, right? And then and then he goes bang, bang, and he knocks the fan <laughs> to the floor. And the other until, one goes. Yeah, and the other one goes. Oh. Can you believe that? And now he is in charge of Watford. So imagine that. <laughs> imagine that. They replaced Nigel Pearson because of a bit of an altercation in the dressing room, so we're led to believe. And they've replaced him with Hayden Mullins, who loved a yellow card, especially during his time at Portsmouth, <laughs> if I remember him, and a man who's punched a fan in the face <laughs> when he's ran yeah. on the pitch. Ah, oh, you know what? Watford, don't ever change. That's the drama we need in the Premier League, Stefan. I don't, I don't agree with you. You get exactly what you deserve when when you make that sort of decision. I mean, that's just ludicrous. It's meant, is Elton John still in charge of Watford, by the way? <laughs> I don't think no, I don't, so. I don't think. Well, I think that's the problem. I think Elton John needs to go back in charge of Watford. There, there was a big um, uh, banner on the back on the seats last night uh, in the game, which says "We're still standing." Sorry, Watford, you aren't. No, they're a rocket man straight out of the Premier League by the yeah, looks of things yeah. if they don't get a result. Don't um, let the club go down on me. Let's talk... <laughs> well, I was going to say step into Christmas, it'd be step into Championship oh, if they carry he's good, on. Isn't he? um, but anyway, 4 0 to Manchester City last night. Raheem Sterling has uh, achieved his best ever goal scoring season, Joe. 29 goals for a player that comes off the wing to score that many goals, including uh, several missed penalties this season. Yeah. It's a hell of a record. And. I mean, whether he's Manchester City or not, you have to say his improvement has been excellent. Yeah, he's, he's a great player and his attitude's great and what he's done for City this season, the goals he scored and scores uh, are amazing. And he's also quite, just an intriguing player to watch and see what he's going to bring to a game. City have got a lot of attacking options and that, you know, what, what keeps City great and what keeps City scoring unbelievable amount of goals is the fact that if you have a couple of games where you have a dry spell, there's another player on the bench who's not going to have a dry spell and they're going to go on and they're going to score uh, and Raheem still knows that the pressure is on him to make sure the ball keeps going in the back of the net and if he's not assisting then he's scoring and that's what he's done this entire season and, you know, he's probably been, you know, there's a lot of players fighting for this player of the season for City but he, he's up there. Do you not think some some point that he, there's been a coach behind the scenes somewhere who's just taught Sterling how to finish? Yeah. Mikel, Mikel Arteta, Stefan, did loads of one-to-one work with Sterling when he was the assistant manager of City, but of course now he's gone to Arsenal. But a lot of credit supposedly for Sterling's kind of upturning form has gone to Arteta. Brilliant, because... He, he he was he wasn't a complete player when he moved from Liverpool to City, and it took him a few years to to find either that finishing pa- you know that that, that finishing uh, touch or, or yeah. that, that final pass, and he he seems to have got it now. Um, which is he must be rated as one of the best players in the world, surely. Yeah, I think so, and I, I think you're right. It was the finishing, wasn't it, that was the problem with Sterling. He just couldn't find the back of the net on a regular enough basis and now he's added that element to his game he looks like a really really dangerous player so Watford nil, Manchester City 4 will Watford survive who knows losing 4-0 ruins their goal difference and gives Bournemouth and Aston Villa a chance on survival Sunday so let's talk about Aston Villa who got the crucial three points that they needed at home to Arsenal with a 1-0 victory a goal from Trezeguet a volley from the edge of the box which just whizzed into the back of the net 
past Martinez at his near post, which means it's a fourth season of no Champions League for Arsenal. Now, I know it's always fun to kick Arsenal when they're down, Joe, especially when you're a Manchester United fan and you've had battles over the years. But that's now 16 years without a title for Arsenal. Fourth consecutive season of no Champions League football. Rivalries aside, that's not good enough. No, it's not good enough. Um, and I think there's there's been a lot of talk about Arsenal and is this the style of play that they're going to uh, sort of strive for next season? And you've seen a couple of good results, uh, especially over the last week of them getting results against big teams, pulling a bit of a shocker at the weekend against City and then obviously beating Liverpool the week before that. I think... I think for for many young, no, I say young managers, in the, the managers that are just sort of taking over big teams and having a go at uh, Premier League football, there's such inconsistencies in what they can achieve. One day they're absolutely flying and beating the best team in the league. The next day they get in schooled by Aston Villa one nil, and it's just the same for the team I support as well. United, I'm not naive to that. You know, one day we'll pick up a two nil win at home against City, and then we'll go and get absolutely you know I've uh, battered by Newcastle away do you know what I mean it's like you, there's there's consistencies with these new managers who've taken over big clubs that I just don't think they've found it yet obviously Pep Guardiola you could say he's still quite young but he's been in the game a long time and he he has that consistency and so does Klopp it's consistently getting your players riled up to be the best they can be Leicester are finding out they're having a bit of a struggle as well um, so it's just that making sure that if your team are firing that they're constantly firing and they're not having any dips Arsenal are just constantly having nice results here dips there and that inconsistency has been the struggle and has been the reason that they have fallen apart this season will they find a bit of a level will they find something that sort of keeps them on the same track throughout the season and not this wobbly up and down roller coaster if they do that Champions League football could be theirs next season because they've shown that they can pull out the big results. If they don't, then we'll all be saying we'll be back here again and we'll Arteta be in charge. Who knows? But yeah, mm. that's that's Arsenal. Uh, I think United, uh, we will like that a lot at the start of the season. We've got quite good at getting wins now. Um, so maybe Oli has found that consistency that he needs and, and Arteta, I'm sure he will. Yeah, I Maybe think the Champions League next year. Don't well, know. they're going to need to really make a, a, a fist of getting to the Champions League, to be fair. I mean, there was a plain <clears> banner last night which suggested the majority of the Arsenal fans, Stefan, are backing Mikel Arteta because the plain banner said, back Arteta, Kroenke's out. And of course, the Kroenke's are the owners of Arsenal Football Club. Mikel Arteta said after the game in his post-match interview that he felt 100% the confidence of the board behind him and he felt that he was backed. Um, can you see why the fans are getting a little bit disgruntled because I've mentioned it on the podcast before and I've laid into Arsenal before where I've said you can't expect to compete at the top end of the table if you aren't going to spend the money to get yourself into that position and I think that's what Arsenal need to do. I think everything that Joe's just discussed answers that question perfectly. There's there's lack of consistency there and they've not, they've not had anything for season apart from FA Cup wins. They've not had anything for ages. Not won a, won, won a title for 16 years. Not been in Champions League for four years did you say? I mean... That's what they're upset about. And it's a vicious cycle, to be honest, of Arsenal, because the longer they're not in the Champions League, the longer they're not able to attract the good, good players that get you there. I mean, apart from Aubameyang, I'm, I'd, you're not really that excited about many of the Arsenal players. It was unlucky last night. I don't think last night was lack of consistency. I think last night was um, an element of circumstance, the fact that Villa had to win and... Uh, Arsenal didn't have to win Villa just wanted it more um, 
So I kind of saw that a million miles off winner, uh, um, Villa winning last night. I mean, there was they a needed to. There was a moment of fortune, wasn't there, in the game, Stefan, where the ball was headed hit down by Nketiah and it hit the post and it just spun back into the arms of yeah. Reina who tried his best to make a mess of it. Um, but that was the sort of luck that Villa had last night and that's a huge win for them. I mean, do you think they're favourites to stay up now out of the three, Villa, Watford and Bournemouth? Do you think that Aston Villa are, you know, in pole position to stay a Premier League club? Well, let's be honest here. They're all dreadful. But <laughs> um, who's, who's the least dreadful? Probably Villa. So, yeah... I don't know. I can't call it. I mean, it it could be it could be that Bournemouth go ahead and win on last game at season, and that Villa and Watford lose. I know they stay up. Uh, so. Bournemouth could still stay up yeah, against Everton. It's... You know why? He hates Bournemouth. Niall hates Bournemouth. He hates anyhow. He hates him. Absolutely hates him. He could. It could be a thing though, could it? Really could. It's what makes it exciting. It does. It's what makes the Premier League so exciting. We still don't know who's going to finish in the top four. Chelsea versus Wolves on the last day. Man yeah. United versus Leicester. And then you've got three-way dance to see who stays up. Watford, Villa and Bournemouth. I mean, regardless of whether you think Villa will stay up, it's a massive win for them. At least they've given themselves a chance, Joe. Yeah, Whereas yeah. if they didn't get a result and Watford had pulled a result out of the bag against Man City, that would have been pretty much curtains for them. So at least they've given themselves a bit of confidence and a bit of hope that they can do it now. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so they'll go forward and they'll pick up a win, I think. Who knows? It's all going to be tense. And I, I like the fact that there is a bit of drama coming the end of the season if it is the relegation zone or the top four because it's exciting uh, and it gives you something to keep an eye on. And I like the nitty gritties of it all. I like the fact that one goal here might make a difference and a couple of goals there for one team. Oh, they've conceded. So that means they're going to go down. And, you know, I like that. And it gives us something to look forward to. And, and when all the games kick off at the same time, that excitement is class. So I don't want to, don't want to say who I think is going to stay up because I probably will always get it wrong. But there's something about Bournemouth and there's something about you, Niall, about making you angry that I think Bournemouth <laughs> might just do it. Oh, please. Come on, anyhow. Please, there's a 33% chance that they're going to stay up. Um, anyway, who, who would be a betting man on the last day of the season? Not me, that's for sure. But you would probably make a bit of cash if you bet on Jack Grealish to leave Aston Villa this summer, Stefan. I mean, he's admitted that after the game that he's unsure about his future. He was asked whether he felt it might have been his last game as Villa captain at Villa Park. Do you think that that's him on his way? I mean, if he keeps Aston Villa up in the Premier League, what a perfect way to call time on his career at the club. Yeah, the subtext to that interview last night was basically, yeah, if we get relegated, I'll be joining Man United or somebody like that. If we stay up, I'll probably continue as Villa captain because I love my team. That's exactly what he said last night. You, you So you seriously think that he'll stay at Villa if they stay up? Do you not think he's got that loyalty? I think loyalty he would stay at Villa if he stays up. I'm with you on that. But do, do you Steph. not think that he's fed up of being the man to carry that team. He's done it all season. He's been kicked off the park, no. been fouled more times than any player in Premier League history in a single season. Yeah, you know, he'll, he'll I enjoy mean, that. He's, he's, a, he's a Villa fan. I think I think that means a lot to him. And I, I don't want to make any comparison to him in terms of uh, in terms of quality to Steven Gerrard, but it's a similar <laughs> kind of it's it's a similar kind of story to Stevie G not wanting to leave Liverpool. I mean, he should have. He definitely should have. He would have won loads, but he didn't. And I think I think Jack Grealish is kind of like that. And the thing with Grealish is he's getting to that age now where if he if he lasts lasts another year or two at Villa, then he'll be out of the limelight a little bit in terms of getting a big transfer to another club, and he'll be stuck with Villa anyway. So I can see him staying. Honestly, you'll take him at Manchester United, won't you, Joe? Jack Grealish. Um, no, 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> if we get, if we get, if we, if we are reported to get Sancho, which I don't, I highly doubt, we then don't need any more attacking players. I don't think Sancho comes in. You know, he's already thinking, well, who's going to make way? Rashford, Greenwood, Martial, them three are firing on all cylinders. So Sancho's going to push one of them out of the team. Do you know what so, I'll say? You can never have enough good players, You can Joe. never have, good never players. have enough good Don't players. Don't get me wrong. If he's, on a, if he's a bargain, we'd take him. But would he get a game? He'd just be another Daniel James sitting on the bench. Do you not think? I, think, think? I see what you mean. In? I see what you mean. With the way that United are playing at the moment and the form they're in, I mean, does Grealish immediately earn his place? Probably not. But if you're talking about comparing him to Daniel James, I don't, I don't think you could... They, Daniel James can hold a candle to Grealish with the way no, he Grealish couldn't. Been so he makes season. way for Daniel James, okay. But then that so Daniel James leaves uh, somewhere and um, Grealish comes in. But you know, if we do sign another big player, there's it, going to be a lot of scrapping, and they can, it, that can hinder um, Greenwood's you know potential because if he's not getting the games he needs or deserves, or but he, then again it could help him because there's that competition element there as yeah, well. Yeah, and Jack Grealish, he, he makes things happen. He's kind of a bit of a playmaker. And Greenwood, we know how good he is at finishing, so it might actually be a perfect I combination. Think, I think Grealish wouldn't wouldn't challenge any of us from three players for a position. He'd, he'd be a backup to somebody like Fernandez. That's what I think Grealish would realistically do at yeah. Old um, so, I think so, I, I think as well, though, it's, I mean, it's not a bad backup to have, is it? No, it's, that, not a bad it's not a bad backup to have Jack Grealish. Villa won Arsenal nil. The final score at Villa Park last night, which means that the relegation scrap goes down to the final day of the season. Survival Sunday. We'll be discussing it all throughout this week here on Football Social Daily because the end of the season is now a matter of days away. So keep it locked in here on the podcast, the only daily podcast focusing exclusively on the Premier League. Hit subscribe. You won't miss another episode again. We're off for another short break, but afterwards we'll be talking about the latest transfer gossip. Football Social Daily. Spin like royalty here at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambleaware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the show. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Don't forget to check out our brand new website, sport-social.co.uk for all the latest Premier League match previews and match reports from all the games that are taking place, including this Sunday where everything comes to a head. So that website, once again, sports-social.co.uk. Time to talk about the transfer gossip doing the rounds in the Premier League this morning. And one that's been simmering away for a couple of days, Stefan, is Nathan Ake, the Bournemouth centre-half, to Manchester City. Is this a good move in your opinion? Because we know that Manchester City have struggled at the back. They've not really replaced Vincent Company. And when Imeric Laporte got injured for the majority of the season, they found themselves slightly frail at the back. I mean, Ake, he is a partner to Van Dijk for Holland in the Dutch national team, but he has conceded a lot of goals in that Bournemouth defence that have shipped over 60 for the last three or four seasons. I didn't realise how long he's been playing football for Nathan Ake. He's like he started at Chelsea like in 2012. I, I had no idea. He's just a player who's kind of disappeared to my knowledge for so long. You know what I mean in terms of what he's what he's done in the game or how long he's been around. Yeah, I, I can see that working. But uh, will there be concerns about the fact that he has been in a Bournemouth defence, Joe, that has shipped so many goals? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but 
he also ticks and one more thing he also ticks the uh, the English box as well Home, uh, homegrown talent homegrown yeah. talent yeah, which yeah. is key for City because they might look to bring in a couple more um, uh, foreign players that will you know tip them over the edge of that you know make sure there's the right balance there I also think John Stones might find himself maybe on the way out of, of City because I just don't think Pep thinks he's good enough at the minute um, so they'll, they'll need someone else who's English to come in and replace it and let's remember City don't like bringing through any homegrown talent of their own uh, they always go out and buy it um, um, there's a little dig there I thought you were going to pick up on that yeah they've got one how, player how in come there Ake's Phil's playing for, for Holland by the way he's Dutch so, but George just said he's English. Yeah, but he came through Chelsea's academy, so it's a homegrown talent thing. Yes. So if you, if, if, if you come if you come through an English club, you become homegrown talent. I thought we were going to have a new anti Niemi's finished moment there. No, no, no. no. Yeah, he's it, was, it was all there for it. It was ready for it. He's finished. No, no, no. Yeah, the homegrown talent thing. So he ticks it ticks a box. You don't play football manager. Oh, You're not on this. I've not played. I've not played football manager since 0304 when Freddie Adu was a god and Kim Karlström was the most solid defender that Arsenal could ever sign. You need to make sure on football manager your homegrown players are over a certain amount. So that's what he'll do for them. Um, and yeah, so I think he might be a good fit. He might work aware. Pep might see stuff in him because Pep sees qualities in players that we might not necessarily see because mm. he's very good at what he does as his job so you might see situations where Aki could work very closely or very well with the defenders that he's got in his locker at the minute so yeah I, I think that would be uh, that would be ideal for him Okay, a couple more to go through. This one comes from Chelsea, where Callum Hudson-Odoi is reportedly considering a move away from the club. Now, I always take these transfer stories with a pinch of salt, Stefan, because they're like, this player is thinking about moving, not this player is going to move. And, you know, I'm thinking about what I'm having for dinner tonight, but I haven't quite decided yet. Do you know what I mean? So that's the sort of thing that I feel when I see these stories. But this one might have a few legs in it because he has had a lack of game time since his return from injury, since Project Restart. And I thought he was going to be the next big thing for Chelsea. I really do but since Pulisic's come in he's kept Hudson-Odoi on the uh, on the back burner so to speak and you know when you see some of the opportunities that the younger players have got over in the Bundesliga which of course is a league you know well then you know you can't blame the likes of Hudson-Odoi for maybe thinking about moving away from Chelsea especially when you know there has been interest from Bundesliga clubs in him before now yeah I, I think this story is a bit like a broken record to be honest I think Hudson Adoy gonna sign for Bayern Munich again this summer. The the same story will come up next summer as well. I think. I, I think he'll stay at Chelsea. I don't, I don't see why he'd move. That's it's such an exciting project to be part of. If you, if you're a player of his age and standard, it'd be it'd be ridiculous to move away from Chelsea at this point, surely. And he's just got to get he's just got to get back to fitness, and I think games will come for him. Um, so I think it'd be mad for him to move away. I really like Callum Hudson-Odoi and I did when I sort of first saw him coming through at Chelsea. And the fact he got an England call-up before he played his first game for Chelsea or got his first start for Chelsea speaks volumes, doesn't it, about how good he possibly could be, Joe? Yeah, indeed. Uh, I think um, that also comes with a bit of pressure and I hope that pressure isn't... um, isn't on him too much and allows him just to play that game of football a bit and allows him to just really enjoy it, the the game and, and get into the sort of play he's going to be because uh, that does sort of you know, you know the newspapers like to talk the 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 fans like to talk about this is the new star because you know he did get that call up before uh, before even getting his first game and then when he does play for Chelsea he does well so there's a lot of pressure on the lad um, and it will 
be testament to him, see what he does, think- and to see how he reacts on the pitch. I think he's, he'll stay at Chelsea. I think he has a nice little um, relationship with with Lampard, and I think he, I'd like to see him at Chelsea for a bit as well. He's, he's in a different position to all the English players who have gone over to the Premier League, uh, over to the Bundesliga. In terms of his, he's he's much more established. He's not a. He's not what Jaden Sancho was when he left City, or he's not, um, I don't know, Lewis Baker or Ampadu, that type of player. He's, he's established himself um, in the first team at Chelsea. There's no doubt about that. So it's not that type of move, that development move. I, I don't think he's got development to make abroad and then come back and bring that to the Premier League. I think he's already at that level. So it's it doesn't quite fit in with all the other English uh, young English players going over to the Bundesliga. I think there's a question mark over Callum Hudson-Odoi at the moment. We'll have to wait and see what happens throughout the course of this transfer window, which of course opens on the 27th of July and runs until the 5th of October. So loads of transfer gossip, I'm sure, to get stuck into in the coming weeks and months. The final one comes at Crystal Palace, where they have signed Nathan Ferguson from West Brom. Now, Ferguson was um, a target for several clubs in the January transfer window. No move materialised, but now Crystal Palace have captured a sign-in. Roy Hodgson has said loads about how he needs more attacking firepower Joe yep. so Crystal Palace have gone to sign a defender yeah. how do you explain that one <laughs> uh, money uh, and young, and clubs beneath uh, the, the I mean the, the people in charge of money at little clubs little clubs I mean the lower half clubs they spend it so weirdly and I don't quite understand if they've got a sort of plan or a goal of the players that can help them stop becoming a lower league side and become a mid-table uh, a turnaround and I think that firepower was definitely needed but then maybe the board are looking at the losses this season and go will a defender change it or will a better defender um, allow our current strikers to, to move forward and possibly get more goals next season and I just don't know I just somebody in charge of the checkbook um, needs to give the red a wobble uh, big time because it's just does it, it's not making sense but yeah it's still happening yeah, he's highly rated, Nathan Ferguson. He is a fullback um, of the other teenagers in the championship this season. He's been one of the best two. You know, you count Jude Bellingham as the other, and he's just moved to Borussia Dortmund. And now Nathan Ferguson has moved to Crystal Palace on a free transfer. I mean, the position he plays is that kind of... Un- he can play centre-back, he can play fullback. Um, you know, so is it kind of a replacement for that that ageing squad that Crystal Palace have got, Stefan? I know that, that they've got a bit of Wan-Bissaka money in the bank, which they haven't really dipped into because this is a free transfer. But we spoke about it on yesterday's show about how old Crystal Palace's team is. I mean, this lad's only 19 and it looks like he's got, you know, a big future ahead of him. So it looks like it could be a decision made for, for the future in mind. Yeah, it ticks two major boxes. One, youth and two, free. I think that's perfect for Crystal Palace. But, I mean, fair play to the lad. He's got a few uh, England call-ups under under 18s to under 20s. Um, and as you say, he's probably second best uh, in the championship this season. So it, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it, really? Uh, if it doesn't work out for him, then it's fine. Free. Young, great. Free transfer, young. I think we might see a few more of those throughout the course of this transfer window, of course, with the impact of coronavirus. Um, But that's it for today's podcast, Football Social Daily, done and dusted for another day. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Thank Thank you, you Stefan. Cheers. No nonsense, Stefan. And uh, Bosnian Dog (laughs) Joe signing off for today's podcast. I'm Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to hit subscribe and join the growing community of people that are listening to the podcast. Nearly 1.5 million downloads for this season, which is just unbelievable. So we really appreciate your support. 
Keep listening. A few episodes left and you don't want to miss any of the action because it's going to be exciting. We'll see you again tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>